This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, as usual, usual Milton Keynes, it's uh, it's been an interesting week once again. Um, you know, had the trip to Bolton, which we we touched upon first, and of course, there's a uh, set to be a new gaff taking over the club very soon by the sounds of things. That's all exciting. So, Ross, there's lots to talk about, isn't there? Oh yeah, hectic few uh, past week, but an enjoyable one also. Yeah, yeah, and the weather's started to pay itself again, so it's nice and sunny for us down here. Um, Joe, obviously, it's been pretty hectic for yourself as, as well as me in terms of I've moved out and you've been, you know, work-related moving stuff as well. So uh, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, my business moved warehouse this week, so that was, um, yeah, uh, a lot of steps and a lot of hours, a lot of junk food. Um, but no, yeah, I, I listened to the pod you guys did. It was, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, sorry, guys, I'm back. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's fair to say this episode had a bit more positive outlook than that one did. Um, well, on, on certain topics anyway. Um, and yeah, I'm sure, well, if you haven't checked out, uh, I've done a few Sunderland previews for other podcasts, Sunderland podcasts. So one with Report with Chris, which is excellent. I really enjoyed being on that, my first time being on that. And um, it was on with Graham with What the Flack, which is my hat trick on there, uh, just chatting about both games and... Um, also the new managerial situation which for what the flat was a bit more up to date he recorded it a bit later so there was a bit of chat about Manning um, but of course we'll touch about it on here um, so yeah you can probably stick around here and listen to that but make sure you check out both of those previews because um, they're both really good listens and uh, yeah really enjoyed making them okay gents Saturday away at Bolton it was a league opener for us and I don't really know what much you could have asked for really free free Dean Livington's first game in charge, interim-wise anyway. Uh, maybe his last, who knows? Um, but you know, I think it was an excellent performance. You know, Mobile Sir opened the scoring, capitalising on some poor well, decision-making for Bolton. Then they came back and got two goals uh, from Bakayoko. And 
Sheehan. It was a brilliant free kick from Sheehan, a player we highlighted on our podcast. And then we had a little comeback ourselves. It's got Twine scoring a good old free kick from outside the box with Harambo Ateng, which uh, is a key topic of conversation today, getting the third goal. And then unfortunately, the 95th minute, Alex Baptiste decided to do some weird Rabona finish uh, for about 10 yards out into the goal. And uh, yeah, he cost us the win. But I think all in all, it was a really good game to be at, first of all. It's, it's almost entertaining match against Bolton, to, especially their place. But Ross, I suppose if you were the only one being there, I suppose you got really value for your money, didn't you? And you saw a really brilliant Don's performance in the circumstances. Oh, 100%. Um, obviously, going into the game, there was always a weird feeling. Obviously, Louis being in charge, um, he didn't know what team he was going to field. And then we heard the news, obviously, Kasumi wasn't in the lineup. And we started to question things and obviously it came out, obviously he had the injury. I know we'll touch upon it later on. And as I say, yeah, before the game, I would have took a point. Um, obviously, uh, the circumstances which we went into that game were just poor. Um, we didn't really have that, that much staff in the training ground to so question whether we actually properly trained. Um, and then, yeah, going into the first, obviously, 15, 20 minutes, it looked really positive end to end. It's re- really positive uh, from us. And um, obviously, Isa got the first goal and um, brilliant finish. But obviously, the keeper, you, you do question the keeper's movement, etc. cetera. Um, but you, you still put it in the back of the net. Um, yeah, it was a brilliant start. And then obviously, Sheeran's outstanding free kick. I don't feel, feel like Laurie Walker could have done more in the situation or the wall could have even done more. I think it was just, you just have to hold your hands up and re- realise that it was just a moment of class. And then I believe they went 2-1 up um, through a mistake from us uh, at the back. I believe both sides defensively did look a bit um, weak at times. There were, there were mistakes. Um, both goalkeepers had blunders at times. Um, but you expect that, obviously, from... From us, because obviously Louis in charge, so he's not gonna he's not gonna be a tactical genius as such on the t- touchline. I know we want to say it, but um, he's he's still our left centre half at the end of the day. Um, yeah, and then obviously we had the character to bring it back to um, to get an equaliser through um, Scott Twine again. Outrageous free kick, the dip on that, but even behind the goal, it was a- a- an absolute joke of a goal in my eyes and. Um, and obviously, of course, Boateng scored the uh, put us up three two. Sorry, and um, silenced me for sure. Um, obviously, <laughs> from last week's episode, I knew it was going to happen. But um, ayo, um, and then obviously it was just heartbreaking to see us concede in the last twenty seconds of the game. A lack of concentration or communication as such from Laurie. I believe it was O'Hora. Um, who they could have easily let it go out or Laurie could have easily said, look, Laurie's. And yeah, there was a bit of miscommunication. They kept it in and obviously Baptiste scored. So overall, I was happy with the point. And if we're going to look at, at it towards the end of the season, I'm hoping we're going to say it's a point gain instead of two points dropped. Um, but yeah, I'll take it considering what we've been through this past week. Yeah, me, well, when it was me, yourself, Ross, and Al last week after recording, we kind of said to ourselves, like, if we get three points against Bolton, it's going to be the biggest three points of the season easily. 
because this will be the own situation we hope anyway where we're not going to have a manager in charge really who can't implement his own philosophies and his own play style so if Limington can go to uh, Bolton and get three points and Bolton with no mugs by the way I think Saturday tells you that you know that's that's a really good that was a re- really good opportunity but yeah I think it is definitely a point gain rather than two points lost right now obviously we'll see but I think I think that'll say the theme quite frankly and uh yeah, we'll get on to everything else later on. Before we touch upon with Joe in terms of your thoughts on the game, Joe, how do you think it went, mate? Yeah, I mean, I was um, following along via the Twitter updates. Um, but for, yeah, it seemed, first of all, a bonkers game. I was running up and down the warehouse and then I was in absolute despair five minutes later. So <laughs> it was, yeah, it's certainly an eventful afternoon. Um I think as well, a couple of the goals we scored, it showed real class and you can tell stuff has been worked on. So, you know, Matt O'Reilly winning the balls really high up the pitch. And, you know, you can tell that we've been begging out for a striker that he makes half chances into really good chances. And, you know, a quality ball from Matt O'Reilly, one touch, boom, you know, just taking the early shot, unsettling the keeper. And, you know, that that is what Mo Ice is about. He comes alive in the box. and. yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a shame to concede three goals. You'd, I'd say that the third was probably avoidable and probably wouldn't happen if Fish was in goal. But all in all, you know, considering the circumstances, if you offered me a point, you know, I'd be absolutely delighted with it. And I think you can't, <clears throat> I think it was, you know, you, you can't say fairer than that. And um, yeah, I, I, it's a decent point on the road against a team that, you know, are no mugs, as you say. Yeah, I think we all feel the same way on that front. And I think out of the whole away day, you know, the fans are excellent. I think we almost took over four, almost 400 up to Bolton in the end, which considering we didn't have a gaffer and no coaching staff, and it was quite a fair trip anyway. It's really expensive one as well. You know, the full credit has to go to the lads that travelled up and everyone that travelled up in terms of the support they gave the players. And I know some of the limits of the players after the game, and they seem to really appreciate it with the difficult situation that they've been put themselves in. Um, so yeah, that was really good to see. Um, but what was also great to see, I think, was the players themselves just really come together and put a good, really good performance in. I think the easy thing to do in that situation was to say, "Oh, we've got no coaching staff and we've got no, you know, permanent gaffer in charge who can, you know, as we said, you know, implement what he wants the team to play like and you know, uh, galvanize them to get three points away at Bolton." But I think the performance we got out of them on the whole was a credit to the lads, Ross, and I think it just shows, you know, how together they really are and how unified they are. Yeah, and obviously we've got quite a young squad. I know we've mentioned it on previous episodes and it just shows how professional they all are. Um, As you say, Liam, the heads could have dropped and they could have, as such, throw the toys out the pram and said, well, Ross showed us this, Ross showed us that. But no, they uh, fought for one another and uh, I think it showed at the end the appreciation towards the fans and um, I, I just feel gutted because of obviously them three points. Um, it, yeah. The, considering obviously this last week, I feel, feel like there'll be a bit more of a positive spin around the place um, this week going into training and obviously heading against Sunderland, one of the big boys of the league as such. Um, I feel like we can actually get something from out of the game. Yeah. And speaking to Graham, you know, and watch them against Wigan, uh, which you'll hear the preview of Graham later on in the episode. Uh, they're, they're fairly positive. You know, uh, I'm fully in the agreement that Sunderland got rid of the dead wood in terms of their squad at the moment, and they've really got some key players to focus in on, like the Frostewitz, like the Elliot Embletons, 
and you know the, the what was it, it was like 30 or 5,000 people at their place on Saturday. So I'm pretty sure they're bringing at least 3,000, maybe 4,000 Stadium K on Saturday. So it's going to be a really good atmosphere. I think the players are going to really enjoy and I think we need to match their atmosphere if we possibly can because it's going to be a tough game for them, uh, which we're going to need their backing basically and it's going to be a great game. Um, okay, let's move into the elephant in the room. Uh, obviously, we, we discussed Boateng... Oh, sorry, Joe. Go and carry on. Just to interrupt, um, Lommel have just announced that um, Liam Malling has left. Oh, it, the the official wow. account. Just so, um, just a uh, breaking news brought to you by the MK One podcast. Well, obviously, we've been waiting for that news all day, really, because uh, all the Belgian press have been talking about it. Um, so yeah, it's the official. I'll read the official statement out for you if you like. Um, Oh, they've actually just deleted it, by the way. So, yeah, it's actually just been deleted. So, unfortunately, my, my Belgium isn't very good, so I can't translate it for you. Uh, but, yeah, the tweet has been deleted, so maybe that's been a Ooh. premature tweet. Um, oh. So he's off elsewhere now. Yes, it has. <laughs> um, I'll get a photo of it, don't worry. But, yeah, so there we go. So there's obviously something happening with Liam Manning that... So, the Belgian press wants something definitely because the club wouldn't tweet something out like that. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, I suppose until we hear something more from them, we'll continue on with this. Um, and we'll talk about the elephant in the room, which was Taran Boateng. Uh, last week, obviously, myself, Ross, and Al sat down and talked about Boateng because uh, a, a regular listener, Jonathan Bennington, mentioned how you know, there's a chance to give come back into the squad because uh, Russ left and, you know, there's, they had to, we mentioned about the signs that he'd been doing well in League Two in terms of certain stats that popped up for us in terms of pass completion and what he'd done in League Two. And I think uh, Ross, as you mentioned, he, he says to say he, uh, he silenced you a bit, didn't he? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, as I said, Liam, earlier, I, I knew it was going to happen when he came on. Um, and obviously, I, I'm, I'm pleased for the lad because obviously... He didn't get opportunities like he thought he would under Russ, and um, Russ made that quite clear. And um, Louis came in this week, and he's gave everyone a bit of a fresh, um, fresh start as such. And um, he gave Boating a chance, and he took his chance at the end of the day. And obviously, going into this Saturday, um, personally, I wouldn't start him. Um, I, f- I do feel like others are ahead of him, and that's not a dig at. Boateng, I just feel we've got so much quality in that midfield um, and options we've got. I just feel like it's just a bit too much for Boateng to get into this starting eleven. But obviously with Kaz um, being injured now, maybe maybe it's something he drops into the deeper role. Or we're not too sure. But as it stands, um, I'm pleased for him and uh, let's hope his form carries on. Yeah, I mean, that, that Kaz injury is a real shame, wasn't it, in terms of the length of it, but also, you know, it's it's on a different part of his hamstring. It wasn't the same one as before. He, he just can't seem to get any luck with him. And it's, uh, you know, the talent that Kaz has, I think everyone that watches uh, the on a regular basis or even occasionally, if you catch the right game, knows how good he is. You know, he's competing for Premier League opposition uh, last season in the Knights of Burnley. So, yeah, he's a talented lad, but... Ethan Robson came in on Saturday and, you know, did really, really well from what I've heard and seen of his performance on Saturday. Um, sat bodes well, and I'm sure against his former employers in Sunderland on Saturday, he'll be looking to at least replicate that performance against uh, them. Um, but back onto Boateng and 
to yourself, Joe. I mean, I'm not sure because you weren't here last week, so it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on Boateng and if they've actually changed too much from you know what we saw on Saturday against Bolton. I mean, I think we saw glimpses of a player, and he obviously wasn't bad at Cambridge. Um, I mean, Russ must have had his his gripes with him, and um, you know, I guess you know you can only say he's got to do his talking on the pitch. And I think by the reaction of the players, he obviously wasn't the sort that was sulking and you know making a scene. He was just getting his head down, and he, the players looked genuinely, absolutely buzzing for him. And I think you even saw when um, Cow and Ant were doing his post-match interview, there was about four four players in the tunnel, you know, with with him as as he was doing it. Um, so look, I mean, as a player, from what we saw in Tiss's first season and well, Tiss's uh, season, Tiss's season in League One, and Russ's first season, it, he did all right. I don't think he's particularly set the world alight, and none of us were particularly bothered wherever he moved on or not. Um, and you know, and it left, and then it, it led to him, you know, going to Cambridge, and you know, there obviously must be something there, but you know, it's about that consistency. I think was that maybe his first goal for MK as well. I mean, I know he's a midfielder, so you don't expect him to score goals all the time. Um, I mean, it's obviously either way, it's been the first one in a long time, isn't it? So yeah, but you know what? Fair play to him, and all you can say for a player is, you know, they even if you don't particularly, you know no matter their ability, if they're willing to put their head down and work hard then and, and you know, still be a positive influence around the place, then bloody fair play to them, I say. Yes, yeah. Um, so, obviously, we mentioned about Liam Manning and the Lommel tweet. So, we've, we've, we've got the article that they published on their website uh, saying that he has left Lommel. Um, he's no longer the head coach there and he's pursuing an opportunity in England. Uh, I wonder, I wonder who that could be. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. Obviously, I'm sure the tweet was a bit premature because it has been deleted, but that's a statement on their website that they just released. So yeah, very interesting. No times. mention of MK though. No mention of yeah, MK. Yeah, exactly. A coaching opportunity <laughs> in England. I mean, there's so many going. Well, some Martin's backroom staff, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not Celtic, so there's the there's a plus. It's not the backroom staff role at Celtic, so uh, that's one ruled out right there. Um, okay, I mean, that that's kind of bottom review summed up. Obviously, our focus has kind of been turned to another direction, as you can probably tell by some points I just mentioned. So I think it's best we take a little break and we'll go straight on to that. Yeah, so um, our heads were pretty distracted by, obviously, some breaking news that came out over the, over the day, over the past 40 hours, really, in terms of the potential new gaffer coming into the Dons and... Obviously, the, the tweets that we were just reading out and the statements we were reading out seem to all but confirm that Liam Manning is going to be the new Don Scaffer. Now, a lot of people, when they heard Liam Manning's name, didn't really know too much about him. So we'd thought we'd do the courtesy and talk a bit more about him in a sort of in-focus type of topic. And uh, I thought I'd start off with a bit more of his background. Uh, so Liam Manning was a, a youth player and a youth coach at Ipswich for a long time. Uh, I believe he was there, I think, youth player for nearly six years and youth coach for even longer than, well, at any period on to that. Uh, then he made the move to West Ham in 2015, where he was the under-23s coach slash assistant academy director. And, uh, of course, it's been well reported that he was assisting in the development of talents like Declan Rice, of course, had done so well in the squad recently. 
and seemed to go strength to strength. Um, and that sort of attention brought him to the infamous City Group and linking up with uh, New York City FC. Here, of course, um, you know, very well known associates to Man City and other clubs. Uh, and he started off as a director of coaching there uh, and then went on to be the academy director. Uh, whilst working you know, with youth prospects and coaches from over 42 nations. So he got to work with a wide breadth of talent from across the world, uh, you know, from well, from England, of course, some City players coming in, uh, America from all the talents there, and also the other affiliate clubs that Man City run, and from like, like Australia also. And then in July 2020, uh, the City group decided to send, or offer the opportunity at least, to Manning to head over to Belgium to take over a completely new side with a new sets of players and coaches in Lommel SK. Now, in his first season there, uh, Manning got Lommel to third place. Uh, the previous season, they almost actually fell out of the division completely and into the amateur football. So that shows you the scale of how well Manning actually did there in terms of getting him to third and only, I think it was two points off a playoff spot, which is to get into Belgium's top tier. Um, and, you know, he's inherited a new start of players and uh, staff at Lommel and he had to mould like his philosophies and his sort of manners, mannerisms around that squad. And I think his track record shows you that he has a lot of success with youth players. Um, and I think the Lommel fans actually replicated that from the comments that I've seen in terms of how he developed, you know, of course, City's talents, but also talents that were already at the club uh, prior to Manning coming in. And he seems to have a really good manner about him in terms of you know being quite personal to players and making it more than just being a footballing talent it's trying to mold them as a person and um, he described himself as a developer and a winner so I'm sure we'll see that soon enough and I'm sure if he stayed at Lobo another season there'd be every chance that he'd be you know really getting doing it one step further and taking them to the first division of Belgian football where the likes of Anderlecht and Sander Liege play who of course feature in Champions League regularly so Ross, Liam Manning, talk to me. What are your thoughts on him? Um, I'm not going to lie to you and say I know a lot about him because obviously there's only so much you can find out through uh, websites and all that. And um, so I, d- I just asked a few people around um, what their thoughts were upon him. And uh, one one person in particular told me that apparently he was linked for the um, Celtic back Rome staff job. Um, so... Even that in itself, he's got a high pedigree and he's respected it within the football uh, chain. Um, and as you say, Liam, he's got a, some experience of working with academy um, or youth squads. And I feel like that's ideal, especially with our um, set of lads. Um, the average age of our squad's 23.9. And that's so young for a League One side. I'm sure if you took Louis, Louis out of that, it it dropped um, to what he's like 10 years yeah exactly <laughs> so it, if you put it into context he, he definitely is the right man um, in terms of guiding this team and what Russ built in these in these past 18 months I've, I do feel like Manning's the right person to take us forward and continue that process um, and then obviously Liam I, I believe it was you who shared um, a video of um, how his team plays yeah, um, yeah, on your Twitter, um, and he likes ball playing centre halves, and obviously with Darlin, Ihora, and Louis, they they've all been doing that last in the past eighteen months. So it's similar to what we had with Russ. So it's not going to be out of the blue, and um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where this um, Liam Manning takes us, and um, I'm hoping it's in the right direction. 
Yeah, Bailey MKD actually mentioned about the videos and uh, going around about the centre-backs and how he likes to engage with them and the triangles in wide areas. Um, and yeah, actually, it actually really encouraged him about you know what this side could become or what it already is in some cases because Russ is working on very similar mannerisms in that squad. So, Joe, is it is it fairly similar for you to Russ? Is it is it, is it a plug-in and play or is, there, is it bigger than that? I think with any manager, they're going to have their own spin on things. And I think that even though a manager may have similar ideas, they might put them out in different ways. Who knows? We could see a formation change. I think the overall philosophy is to play football in a certain kind of way, but how we do that through, you know, the personnel and the the formations, I think can be different. Um, I think what, you know, with, with um, Liam Manning, I think he's got a great base to work from. And I think he'll probably, I mean, obviously he's going to want, players you know there'll be players that he would want you know to play in certain positions and you know it's probably a bit late in the transfer window for that but who knows um but I think he's got a great base to work from and I think it's a team that's I think one good thing with Liam Sweeten is he's not going to pick a manager that's going to come in and say all right well I had this centre forward at my old club I want you to get him I need him I've I had him three years ago I want to get him it's not it's it's um He's buying. He's 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 getting in a coach that is similar and fits the mould of the club. So you look at a team like Barnsley, three two or three times they lost their manager, and it, it was you know they put in a new one. Okay, it takes a little bit of time, but every single time they've had minimal sort of upheaval in terms of the playing squad. It's just been you know it's just been a bump in the road as such, and then they move on. Um, and I think that, you know, he's obviously got a great coaching pedigree, having been a Premier League under-23s team. And then, you know, you know, being part of the City crew, that's some pedigree. The, the only questions I would have is just about working with the players in terms of, you know, obviously it's all good and well being a coach. Like we all know Luke Williams is a fantastic coach. But, you know, he as a manager, it didn't quite work out for him. Um, we saw with Dan Machichi, who he, he was known as an excellent coach. OK, it was different circumstances, but there's a lot more to being a manager than just the tactics. Um, so, you know, I'm sure the club have already sounded that out. And, and you know, I've got faith that, that, faith that they, they believe that he can do the job. You know, he, I think um, as a manager, you have to do a bit of everything, really. You know, you need to be, you know, managing up, keeping Pete happy. You need to be keeping the fans happy, saying the right things to the fans. But then also you've got to keep the players happy and motivated. And that's, you know, a, a bigger part of the job as as any. You, you look at, you know, under Russ and one thing he always made sure was that the characters in the building were good characters. So, you know, hopefully that, that that's a, a, an easy transition for, for the new manager. Yeah, I think that was the one thing that I think when I, I was on it always that, you know, despite Russ leaving the way he did and everyone else that did leave, they've, the, the base that's here is is very, very good. And it's got the potential. It's such an exciting do, project. Yeah. It's got the potential to do really, really well. I don't think many people outside the club actually understand that. So when I, so when I speak to Sunderland podcast, I say to them, oh, I still think we're going to have a good chance of getting, you know, high up in the league. And they, they just don't seem convinced. And that's completely fine. You know, it's, you know, Manning is coming in back into English football his first real managerial role and you know but he's from what I gather he's a man who 
isn't really afraid of a challenge. He joined a team that was literally newly founded a couple of seasons ago and took them going from, you know, almost being hurt, relegated amateur football, taking them to almost get to the first tier in one season. So I think he's, he's, an, he's an excellent coach by the sounds of things. And I think if he can gel these players really quickly, which from listening to interviews with him uh, in the afternoon whilst I was preparing for this, it, it seems like he's got the personality for it. He's maybe not as, he's definitely different personalities of Russ, but I think his mannerisms and his actual goal is the exact same in terms of wanting to get to the highest level. And, you know, hopefully that's with Don's. If, if it isn't, then, you know, <laughs> either way, he's, he's a great coach coming into a club, which is going to do well, in my opinion. I think everyone else thinks that. So, yeah, it's exciting times. Um, I asked... Would mind this, a few Man City youngsters on loan either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... I mean, there's been quite a few going about at the moment, isn't there, in terms of their loans? So, and obviously, with his relationship with the City Group, might even see some ones from you know New York coming in. Who knows? Uh, you know, he's obviously got a good relationship with them out there. So, yeah, it's exciting times, definitely. So, as well as our thoughts, I asked for your guys' thoughts, listeners, and we got plenty. Thank you very much for everyone and your thoughts. I'll try and get to everyone, but it's a bit short for time, so I'll get to the main ones. Uh, Camden Paul reckons it's a brave appointment, which I think is fair enough, but it's our best chance at continuing the good work that happened in the last 18 months. I'd have to agree with that. And uh, yeah, a blank slate actually in terms of staff that Paul mentioned is is actually a plus, which I think that's a nice way of looking at it. You know, he can bring in his own people who know what he wants to do and can help him in that process. So that's nice for looking at it actually. Uh, I mentioned Bailey's comment regarding the videos and how he likes to play. Uh, Jonathan Harry's mentioned how he likes to look at him as a coach from what he's seen and read. And I think I have to agree. And he also said about backing him 110% of the way. And I think everyone has to do that, regardless of when he gets into the dugout and you know, even on Saturday against Sunderland, whether he's actually there or not. Uh, Mark said he's happy with the appointment in general. He said it's his experience with several teams and he's got team ready for him here, ready to great quality also, which I have to agree with. Um, and he's, you know, as you mentioned, also about the coaching team coming in, that he's going to need to get some guys in who you know his play style, which again is very similar to the consensus. Uh, Dan from the Sit Down I the podcast. Uh, hi, Dan. Dan mentioned how stats wise he seems like a great fit. Um, it's, of course, a risky appointment, um, but you know, he'd like to feel that the club not what doing regarding managers and he trusts Liam Sweeting and Pete would come in to get the right man in. So there's only a handful of uh, your guys' comments. Apologies if I couldn't get to you. Um, but there's a lot to cram in this episode. Uh, of course, all the news happening. It's uh, a bit crazy. Um, I suppose a final question regarding all of this is, when do we think we're going to actually see Manning in a dugout? Because as far as I'm aware, he's not in England right now. And Belgium is on the amber list in terms of travelling. So typically you'd have to isolate for a certain period and then, you know, I'm assuming to get into the Don squad, you have to isolate once again. So what do you boys think in terms of we're going to see Liam Manning in a dugout for Don's? Is it, will it be fairly soon? Will it be next month? Maybe. I'd say maybe Ipswich or Accrington. Okay. Probably. So I'd say Lewington's probably, yeah, I think, well, you know what these football teams, I'm sure they'll find a way around it. You know? <laughs> I, I, I do yeah. believe if you're double jab, jabbed from Monday, you don't have to isolate. So, I mean, it could be a lot shorter than what we think. Yeah, I'm saying Ipswich as well, but that's on the safe side. I I do believe, I don't feel like we'll wait until uh, Accrington for sure. 
I, f- I feel like it. I think I think it'll be Monday, but then I think he'll properly start on Wednesday, working on his ideas, etc., and then letting Louis um, blend back in with the squad. Yeah, I suppose that's the point, isn't it? You, you can still communicate with the players and all that via yeah. like you know, like we're doing with Zoom or whatever platform the club prefer to use. But so yeah, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be there in person. But I suppose you can still communicate what you wanted them to do and things like that. So. Yeah, exciting times. Let's like we've got a gaffer in um, fairly quickly, to be fair. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would have maybe wanted something by Bolton, but, you know, clearly they need a bit of time to get the right man in. And hopefully they have. And I'm sure a lot of Don's fans are excited to see Liam Mann's MK Don's get onto the pitch. Okay, well, that wraps up the Don's side of things. Um, next up is our position overview, uh, second one of the season. I have a little sit down with Graham Falk from the What the Folk podcast to talk everything Sunderland ahead of Saturday. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to the latest opposition overview. After a six-goal thriller at the University of Bolton Stadium, uh, the season opener at Stadium MK begins this Saturday, and we had the delight of welcoming Sunderland, Stadium MK, and also the delight of having on uh, Graham from the What The Folk podcast. So, Graham, how are you doing? Very well. Um, speaking to me after three points, so yeah, better than better be usually if we weren't. Great start for us. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it'll be interesting to speak to you later on regarding your own podcast and um, we see your mood after the Port Vale game tonight, which is, I'm sure, will be interesting. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Saturday. Um, obviously, there's local roadworks at Sunderland, but it wasn't often you getting the three points against Wigan and some former employees of yourselves in Max Power and Charlie White. So talk to us a bit about how opening day went and the feeling around the club heading into that game. Couldn't have gone better. Um, if I'm completely honest, I think probably most like most people in the way you are going to be feeling on Saturday, um, back in the ground. And, and I think the Sunderland, because in general, we're a, a loud vocal crowd that kind of relies on football to be like the hub of the community. I think no matter how bad things have gone in pre-season, you probably would have had a loud vocal core of fans there, like the 31,000 as it was. Um Pre-season, we weren't too bad, so it was kind of a weird one before the game because I think a lot of people were frustrated with the signings, which I'll, I'll go and delve deeper into. Um, but we'd actually looked all right in pre-season. Like, we won games comfortably. Like, Embleton's looked really good after he's blown a Blackpool, which you, you would expect, I suppose. Um, Charlie White, no great loss, if I'm honest. Might sound a bit weird, and there's a lot of League One clubs that kind of saying what do you mean? The 31 goal striker is not a big miss. He's just not. He, he was like statuesque at times. And I think Aidan McGeady can put the ball on the head of, of many people. Um, he's good in the air when you, you put the ball on his head. But I think as Wigan fans on Saturday, when you don't, he's a bit of a statuesque figure, which, which Ross Stewart isn't. But the main kind of disappointment, I suppose, was after the Lincoln game in the playoffs last year, we released about eight or nine players. And everyone was kind of okay with that because everyone said, well, they failed for three years in a row, so let's get new bodies in, let's let's start afresh. And we went into a couple of days before the game and we had no fallbacks. We still don't at the time of speaking. I'm sure that's going to change um, in the probably the coming hours because we're, we're linked to a left-back from Tottenham. 
But we went into the game against Wigan, kind of people saying, well, we need a we need at least a left back. We can maybe put someone at right back, or we need at least need a right back. We can fit someone at left back for the time being. And as the weeks and the hours passed, we never actually got any. Um, that will change, I'm sure. There's obviously a dispute at the moment over Denver Hume's contract. Um, but going into the game, obviously the Wigan game was we we started with a defensive midfielder at right back and Carl Winchester. We started with Dan Neal and number 10 in midfield at left back, who's right footed. So you can understand coming up against the likes of Jordan Jones, who we thought were going to play Charlie White and Max Power. We thought it had it written all over, especially when they went in in the lead in 15 minutes. And, and Wigan were by far the better side for the first 15 minutes. Um, but from 15 minutes onwards, Ross Stewart just bullied them, absolutely tortured them. Um, you look at him, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and you think he's a big lanky streak, for want of a better word. Um, but he's not. He's actually better on the floor. I think, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the penalty, which we got like about 20 seconds after Wigan scored. Um, it was all good work from him getting in the box, pretty footwork, getting in and got tucked down. And he just won everything in the end and sprayed, like, sprayed the ball off well when it was to his feet and, and ran forward with the ball. And he caused him a, a load of problems. And a lot of fans have, have looked at Ross Stewart and said he's an upgrade on Charlie White. And other League One fans have said what we're talking about. You know what I mean? He's he's never scored goals at this level. He's scored a couple for Ross County in the Scottish Premiership. But based on Saturday's game, and obviously the season's a long old season and this could change, but that was kind of the proof was in the pudding. Um, I would say we still look a bit weak left back and right back for obvious reasons. A couple of times Dan Neal got done, which is no de- de- uh, detriment to him. He's a number 10 slash number eight playing at number three on the wrong side. Um, so it's to be expected, but he acquitted himself well. Um, Callum Doyle at the back, what a player, 17 years old. I, I'll hang my hat on this. He'll, he'll captain England one day. He's, he looks that good. Like, wow. um, I honestly think he looks that good. Like, You'll get to the end of the season, and you, if he keeps up this trajectory that he's had, and I was lucky enough to see his play against Hearts, I worked that game for. Obviously, I live in Scotland, as some people might know. So, obviously, I covered that for the Edinburgh Evening News. So, I got to see it and pretend I, well, I tried not to celebrate, but obviously, it did. Don't tell my yeah. employers that. Um, <laughs> but Callum Doyle and, and um, Ross Stewart, big, big standout, uh, standouts. Elliot Embleton, maybe not his best game on the planet, but you can see what he's going to offer. All in all, really, really happy. Um, couldn't have gone better. Yeah, and I suppose with you mentioned Ross Stewart and Elliot Embleton, who you know, especially Ross Stewart had a brilliant game on Saturday. It's they're not they're not new signings, but in a weird way they kind of are because you didn't see a lot of Ross Stewart last season. Of course, he had the hamstring injury, didn't play too much because of White being up front. And you mentioned about Embleton being alone at Blackpool, part of that promotion winning campaign towards the end. So them two coming back in must have been a bit of a rejuvenation for Lee Johnson's attacking sort of quartet going forward. Surely, definitely, we look like a bit of a different team. I think. It's been no secret that Sunderland for the past three seasons has been given to Aidan McGeady and see what happens. There's still an element of that because McGeady's got that level of talent, but um, McGeady came off on Saturday and Embleton came off. And we still looked like a relatively decent in the last 10 minutes at going forward. We've got like Jack Diamond, who's got his doubters. He can come on and offer you a bit of pace. Don't know whether I'd start him every week, but there's a few options in in those areas. We do look weak, like I say, in the fullback positions because of numbers. Um Callum Doyle's there, but Tom Flanagan, who had a good game, to be fair to him on Saturday. Him and Bailey Wright are still like the other options and the centre-half, which I'm not sold on personally. And I think there's definitely a a Marmite opinion with both of those players, I think. But going forward, Embleton and and Ross Stewart, I mean, 
I think when Ross Stewart played last year, he would play in a two. He very rarely would replace Charlie Wyke. He, he has got this, um, he, he got a trophy before he played a minute of, of football for something because he was on the bench <laughs> for his debut in the Papa Johns okay. and actually never came on. So he had a trophy before he had an appearance, but he scored on his debut like a big loop and header. And I think everyone went, oh, well, he's going to be just another lump. And he got played a little bit like that because sometimes you'd get played in a 4-4-2. Um, with Charlie Wyke and it was when we were chasing games and firing balls at his head and Charlie Wyke's head. I think now that Charlie Wyke's not there, we're seeing what he can offer on the floor and the beauty of it is, whereas last season we didn't seem to have someone who could break the lines and have a number 10, Embleton looks like he's he's matured into that at Blackpool. A few people are frustrated about Embleton going to Blackpool because he ended up getting them promoted and you kind of go, oh, but when he went to Blackpool, they were 15th. They didn't look like they were going to be relegation candidate. Uh, sorry, promotion candidates look more like relegation candidates. If anything, he went there under a good manager and Critchley signed a two new two year contract before he went. And everyone said, "Well, go and you know have some good, good game show. What you can do with Blackpool." I don't think anyone saw Blackpool's rise as high as they did and, and his importance to that. But he's a Sunderland boy. I wouldn't say he looks like he's moping about wishing he was at Blackpool. He looks like he's ready to sort of finally start his Sunderland career, which I think we've waited for for a long time, but. It's the old adage that a week is a long time in football. Lose at MK Dons, yeah. and all of a sudden we're not getting promoted, and we need ten signings. So, <laughs> football works, isn't it? Half the time, uh, yes. Very uh, well. Recency bias is uh, well, very very prevalent. Um, so we spoke a bit about sub business so far. You mentioned you know Doyle coming in and other players like that, but I suppose minus the fullback position, which of course you know you're going to recruit some players in fairly soon by the sounds of things. Would you say you're you're satisfied with the business, or would you think there's would you would you like more to come? I think there's always a tendency, isn't there, that you want loads and yeah. you want more like top quality, and you want them all in six weeks before preseason. Um, Sunderland are not perfect, and they never have been. They're never going to be. I've I've got used to that in my mid thirties. I know that's <laughs> the case. Um, I'm not happy with it, but I'm not okay. also sad about it that much. There's two ways of thinking. A lot of people are saying. We knew we were eight, nine players down. We knew what quality we needed. We knew what the gaps were in the squad and we still haven't strengthened it. And we've got a new recruitment team. We've got a new chairman with allegedly loads of, like uh, billions of pounds, allegedly. And um, Lee Johnson, who's apparently going with a a data-led recruitment. Where are the players? The other thought process is, well, in the other seasons, we've scattered gun and signed players. We signed McFadgen last year because we needed a backup left back. McFadden's never going to be good enough to play for a promotion winning team. Lovely lad, but useless for what we wanted him to be. He was not good enough. Um, and that was one of our problems last year. So the other way of thinking is, well, we might not be getting them in immediately, but we're getting the right players in. And in a sense, I'm swinging towards that area of thought because Corey Evans, I was like, mm, fair enough. Brilliant on Saturday looked a step above the likes of Max Power. And it was like, hang on, I can see why Max Power didn't get us promoted on Saturday. I can see why Corey Evans might. It made sense. Um, and I think maybe Corey Evans is not a sexy signing at all. But he's, yeah, he's had injuries. But if he can play 30-odd games a season and he put that level of performance in that he did on Saturday, he'll be a really key signing as well. Um, Dion Sanderson was a massive miss from loan last season. He went to Birmingham, obviously. Um I think I always expected that. There was rumours that we're going to put yeah. two million bid in for him, but you, you sometimes see a play and you go, "That's not going to happen, lads," unless we go up, and we didn't go up. Um, but Callum Doyle on on first inspection looks a better player, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but he just looks like he's come from Manchester City's academy. I mean, he's 17. 
he looks about 25, 26. He's a monster for a kid. Um, he was he flew into a challenge, I think it was with Charlie White, and he like, I mean, Charlie White's not a small boy, but he knocked him straight off his feet and won the ball. He's so composed. He'll make mistakes over the season. He's 17. Like, if I think the mistakes I made when I was 17, do you know what I mean? They were far, far and wide away from a football pitch. So don't we all, don't we? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's going to make mistakes, but um, the, the kid looks really composed and assured. And I think when you look at a 17-year-old and you go, ah, we'll send a 17-year-old, but he's more like a 21-year-old with the experience he's got, I think, coming from City. He's obviously got a good football and education. The kid's obviously played for England at under 17 and 19, I think. And, and looks like he's the ability where he's going to just fit into that England team in a few years' time and Sunderland they'll never see him again after this year. Outside of that, we've got Pritchard. Um, never seen him. He got COVID in pre-season. He was on the bench on Saturday for the first time. Uh, injury problems, uh, but worth 11 million two, three years ago or something. I can't say I know much about him, if I'm completely and utterly honest with you. Um but I think sometimes you sign players like that that maybe are worth seven to eleven million and have had a few years of bad injuries or it hasn't worked out of the club and that's what League One is sometimes and you either rejuvenate them and get promoted or you rejuvenate them and they get sold and make your club a little bit of money depending on how your club operates in League One. So Pritchard feels like that kind of signing. It certainly seems that the players we brought in based on the evidence I've seen so far is quality players that are going to improve the squad. I think we just yeah. need more of them. That's all. We need a few more few more in defence because we can't continue playing Carl Winchester and Daniel right back and left back. That's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd make the argument that, you know, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost White, you've lost Power, you've lost people like Dobson as well. But I'd argue that the majority of those signings are actually, or those players in the squad are actually quite dead wood. And yeah. uh, the squad's a lot better now for that. Um, because you know you're seeing the likes of Ross Stewart come through, and of course the youngsters like Diamond and Embleton come through and really show what they're about, and actually want to play for the club as opposed to maybe collecting a big paycheck because suddenly they've got one of the biggest like you know way structures in the league, and this going wherever, and of course with Bike it was an even bigger one at Wigan. So yeah, I think um, I think Perth are in a really good position at the moment, and as you said, if they can get in there with a few extra players, I think they've got a real chance this season. Another four quality players in one right back, one left back, maybe a backup left back that's of decent quality, and another striker to complement or Stewart if he's injured. And it's been a good transfer window. And I think there's, there's plenty of time. With 10th of August, you want someone in, like I say, six weeks before preseason. You want them signed the minute the season ends. Um, League One doesn't work like that. Football doesn't always work like that as much as you, you want it to. Um, we are where we are. We started well. Signings we've made look good. A few more of them. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, no offence to MK Don fans or any other fans in League One, we won't have to do League One previews much longer. <laughs> well, we're, we're over the same, to be fair. We are already yes. the same. But of course, for us, it's a bit of a different situation at the moment. Um, I suppose before we get into any, any lineup score predictions that you may think happened on Saturday, um, has obviously this is Lee Johnson's first full season in charge of Sunderland. Has much changed style-wise from last season coming into this one with, you know, a few players coming in and obviously a fair few going out? I, I think so. Um, it's early days and that can change, but if we're basing it on Saturday's performance and the, the pre-season games, we're, we're pressing a bit higher. We look like we're kind of like more energetic. We've got a bit more... It looks like he's getting the best out of the average players in terms of the energy levels um, and he's utilising the, the talent and the genuine... The genuine technique of the likes of McGeady and Embleton in the right ways. Um, 
it looked like this times last season it got a bit like hit and hope or get it in McGeady and, and put it in for for White. It didn't look like yeah. it was a plan B. The plan looks like he's he's implemented it. And, and I'll openly admit I'm not the biggest massive fan of Lee Johnson. I certainly want him to have no issues as a form. That would be ludicrous and, and crazy. But I don't buy into managers that talk like David Brent. It's just not my style. Like and when you get him beat and we went on that horrible one last season and he's and all these long, big, long words that he's saying, it's a log, it's sitting back. Like, I'm definitely of the opinion of, like, I'm too old, basically, for the Lee Johnsonisms of this world. Um, but I was actually sat behind him on the match on Saturday, and he, he swung me a little bit because he's constantly having to go at the players, like, energy, get in the faces, get at them, like, make it, like, you know, make, make a decision. And he's always at the fourth official. He was always at, and I, I quite like that. Like, I think. I don't know the man. I'd never make an assessment on a man. I don't know, but I think on the on the face of it, he's like that kind of irritating sort of arsehole of a manager. But he's maybe our irritating arsehole of a manager, which we maybe need. It's better than. I don't want to criticize anyone, but Phil Parkinson sometimes was substitute school teacher. Just didn't fit the club. Jack Ross would sometimes stand there with his hands in his pockets. At least I'm seeing Lee Johnson saying, "Here, get into them, get in their yeah. faces. Remember the instructions. Remember what it is." And if the results keep going like we're on Saturday, he can use as many big long words and as many LinkedIn esque posts as he likes. <laughs> I'll be on his side because he's wearing red and white. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's three points of Masters, isn't it? And if you can keep getting three points, keep moving up the table, uh, you know, happy days. Exactly. Okay, before we uh, round off, let's just talk potential lineups and score predictions. Now, obviously, it's only been one game so far this season. Of course, you're playing Port Vale after recording tonight in the uh, Carabao Cup. So there may be a few changes from the win against Wigan, but how do you think the Black Cats are going to line up in Milton Keynes on Saturday? Do you think it'll be fairly similar to winning over Wigan? I think um, injuries permitting and nothing happens tonight. I think it seems like we're going to get the left back in from Spurs, which I've never seen him play. Um, but apparently he's tremendous. Spurs fans are doing their absolute not in that we're getting them, which I'm just okay. a bit like, fair enough, I'll, I'll have that. Um, so, and I think we'll have just rip of calling him Gherkin until I find out his actual sin in the correct <laughs> pronunciation. So, um, but all those all the Spurs fans really highly rate him. It looks like that's imminent in a four year deal, I think it is. Um, the last left back we got from Spurs was Danny Rose. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Good track record. Um, yeah, if he's anywhere near as good as Danny Rose, I'll, I'll be more than happy with him, even at a League One level. Um, so I think the way we'll probably see it go, I think we'll see Lee Burgeon go. I think he was steady last week. He's got his detractors, but I think he's the best goalkeeper of the club at the moment. Um, I'm okay with him currently. Right back, we'll probably continue Carl Winchester. I'd be surprised if we get a left back and a right back in by Saturday, especially with the game in between. So, yeah. Winchester, he does a job. He's defense down. He's okay going forward, better than I anticipated. We can probably cope for another week. I think we'll play the new boy from Spurs at left back. I think that looks pretty much nailed on. I'd be very surprised if anything changes on that. At centre back, there's a big debate over Bailey Wright because Bailey Wright potentially um, is leaving, which I think some Sunderland fans would be okay with as long as he's replaced. So I think you'll probably continue with Callum Doyle and Tom Flanagan. Flanagan playing left-footed centre-half in the right-hand side and Callum Doyle playing on the left-hand side of... Um, left-footed left foot player on the left-hand side of defence in the back four. 
then you've got Corey Evans just sort of sits um, 100% play. And then further forward, you'll have um, Elliot Embleton will 100% play, born in the injuries. Lynn Nooch, I think, got man of the match, actually, um, on Saturday. He, he was brilliant. I surely should have mentioned before, he was great. I think we've kind of got used to the level that Lyndon Gooch can put in, just sometimes not consistent enough, but he definitely was good on Saturday. So we'll definitely see Gooch on the right. We'll 100% see Adam McGeek on the left, injury permitting and anything happening with that. I think in midfield, alongside those, well, Rossi will definitely be up front. Um, and then in midfield, it's a bit of a funny one because does then Daniel move into midfield? Um, potentially, he could move into midfield. I don't think that Lee Johnson is going to. I think it's definitely an option. Um, I don't think Sunderland fans would be unhappy with Dan Neal moving into midfield. I think most of us are more than happy with Dan Neal actually moving into that position. But I think if he's not playing at left-back, I think Danny will probably be on the bench, which means that the midfield will be Embleton sort of in that number 10 role. And then behind him, you'll have Corey Evans and, of course, Luke O'Neill. Um I'd be really surprised if Luke O'Neill didn't play in midfield. It seems that O'Neill's contract is, or his new contract that he signed is very much based around him playing in midfield, playing everywhere but midfield since we signed him as a midfielder. <laughs> we don't have a right back at the moment, but Luke O'Neill can play right back. Um, okay. The fact that he's not playing right back indicates that that was maybe a term of his new contract that if I'm going to sign a new three year deal, I'm going in the middle. I'm fine with that, but if he plays Daniel ahead of all nine, I'm also okay with that. One thing I can guarantee is that would be a better side based on the nine minutes against where Corey Evans is playing in that number four role, and uh, number four role, and Embleton's playing in the number ten slash number eight. Okay, sounds a pretty strong team. Um, based off that, how do you think it's going to go Saturday score wise? Because I'm sure Southern fans will be confident. You know. We've still not got a manager at the moment, still no uh, footballing coaches officially anyway. So it must be well for you guys, right? Bringing a bumper crowd down to Milton Keynes. Yeah, I think so. But I also think MK Dons are a really good team. Um, I was impressed last year and I said, obviously, I do a bit of hosting on a 30 year pod and we got onto our 124 predictions. And I think a few people had Milton Keynes like seventh, eighth, ninth, which probably would have been higher had it not been for us on Martin Gone. And this is maybe a controversial opinion for MK Dons fans, but I'll say it anyway because I'm sure it'll be a talk. Um, for me, Russell Martin did start a project. He did have a good project in place and he was building a really good side, but it was not the finished article. It was not the MK Dons that we're going to see for the next however many years. He was putting a structure in place, but he got you to 13th in League One. I'm sure your ambitions are higher than that. You've been higher than that. There's no reason to say with the players that you brought in the style of play that he's begun to implement, you can't do exactly what Lincoln City have done and bring in the likes of like a Michael Appleton to take on the job that the Cowleys did to make it even better than Russell Martin did. The players are there. You've just got to get the right manager now. If Russell Martin doesn't feel invested in that project and he's gone to someone like Swansea, who, I mean, I, don't, I didn't understand the move personally. For me, he had a really good project there. He'd bring in really good players and he left in the year of the season, but I'm sure I'm talking on some heartstrings here, but I think if you get the right manager in, which you might do before the game, get the right manager in, maybe this season it will be a ninth or a tenth when it, you hoped it would have been a fifth or a sixth with the signings you had. You might do a Lincoln where you have to like level out a little bit, but if you get that appointment right, there's no reason why this project can't continue. The project wasn't Russell Martin. I think the project was MK Dons. So when it comes to the result on Saturday, 
some of the fans might find this negative, but I'd snap your hand up for a draw. I'd be fine with that. Um, and I think that's what it will be. I think maybe a little bit leaky at the back based on Saturday's result. The way you pass it out at the back is impressive. But if we're p- pressing high, I think we'll have a few players that can damage you that way. Do I think MK Dons have players that could damage us at the back with our current back line? Yeah, probably. Um, so I think it all kind of sets itself up to be a draw, um, which I would be fine with. A win and a draw to start this evening, two tough games against Wigan and MK Dons, who everyone's been saying is going to be the sides to watch this season while Sunderland haven't done enough. If we get four points from that, then we're laughing. If we've not signed everyone, we're signed it only stronger, I think. Yeah, I think I think honestly to every MK Dons fan, but I think if I was given a point uh, after this game, I take it as well. Uh, you know the situation right now. I'm taking anything I can get because, well, I mean, there's there's not really a lot to write about at the moment. Um, <laughs> but the hope is that yeah, I said by the end of this week we have some sort of news, and um, hopefully we have something to look forward to for sure. Um, but Graham, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Um, before you go, please let the listeners know where they can find your great work. Yeah, um, so I do a few podcasts. I probably do too many, but my main one is obviously um, What the Folk, which is literally What the Folk pod on Twitter. We do a, a something preview. We also do a something review this season, which is a little bit different. It's not a bunch of fans speaking about how the game went. It's three or four Sunderland fans and then a fan of the opposition, which will be yourself, of course, um, this Saturday, because um, we think it's a little bit better getting a reflection of not just the insular thought process, which I think a lot of a lot of them do. And People quite like that um, format, so you can find us there. That's on Spotify, YouTube, or any sort of uh, podcast apps that you want to find. Also, of course, I'm I'm now the co-host of the third tier, which I'm hoping is just going to be for one season. Being a Sunderland fan, um, <laughs> Tom did it last year as a Blackpool fan. He started it and got promoted in one season, so that was my sole reason for joining that. And that's just the third tier underscored. That's obviously a little bit more, a bit more, more rounded around the whole of League One, where we'll probably discuss things like MK Dons, other teams, not just Sunderland. Although there's probably a chance that I'll try and swing it back to Sunderland at some point. Brilliant. And make sure you take those out for sure. And uh, thank you once again, Graham, for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks, Graham, once again for coming on. Apologies, there's some little technical issues during that. Uh, unfortunately, with Graham being in Scotland and myself being down in London, there sometimes can be a little uh, connection and cutouts. But, you know, it's all part of the parcel of podcasting via Zoom. Uh, so hopefully it didn't interrupt you listening too much. Uh, we ground off with our lineup and prediction scores. Uh, of course, if you're not getting involved with Fan Hub, please do. Um, you know, we are, we'll continue to be one of the top 10 club fan bases on there, uh, even into this new season, which is excellent. There's over 200 Dons fans on there now, which is even better. You know, we're still one of the most supported clubs on the app. And it's great to see so many of you getting involved in it. Um, and yeah, we've been submitting our lineups every week. And if you say this week, you get against Sunderland. Uh, so, Joe, take us through how you think the Dons are going to line up against Sunderland on Saturday. Yeah, of course. So, I think we should be seeing fish back. Um, by all accounts, he was training and it was a late test whether or not he'd make Bolton. So I think, you know, given an extra week, you'd like to think he's ready. Um, and he'd be a very welcome addition back as well, I, I might add. Um, I think the defence will stay the same. So it was uh, Harry Darling in the middle and Zach Jules. Um, it's just, you know, it's a solid back three. You know what you're going to get with them. Um, I've put Dan Harvey at left wing back and I've gone for Josh Martin at right wing back. Um, I uh, he, he missed Bolton, he was ill. So I think if he's fit, for me, he... He's going to be one of the better players in the league and he should be starting. 
Um, I'm not not to say Tanai Watson necessarily has done anything wrong. I, I watched him at Bournemouth, and I was, I was, you know, I thought he had some decent moments, and he was a threat. But I just think with someone like Josh Martin, you don't not play him if if he's fit. He's the sort of player at this level that can can, you know, you look well. You know, we talk about Sunderland; they've got Aidan McGeady. Well, you know, we've got some, <laughs> a couple of people that can change the game in an instant as well. Um, I think Ethan Robson, you know, he, he's got to be starting, hasn't he, against his former club. Um, I'm sure he's going to be getting about the pitch like anything on um, on on Saturday in that pivot role. And Matt O'Reilly and Scott Twine, why would you drop either of them? They're both putting great performances, both of a goal contribution. And uh, O'Reilly, or skipper O'Reilly, I think we should say. Uh, so, you know, well, <laughs> uh, congratulations to him. Um, and I'd just like to say on that as well, it's a bit of a left field. Um, and pe- maybe people would have said, you know, Warren or Harry. But I think sometimes with players you get, you know, but given that armband, it almost takes them up a level. And I think, well, you, um, you remember with obviously you have a on previously, he mentioned about Matt O'Reilly being like a, a future coach, didn't mm-hmm. he, later on in his career? So that kind of plays into that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, actually, yeah, I, I really do get that. And he, all the interviews he's done, he's, he's obviously a really intelligent guy. And so, yeah, fair, fair play to him. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very young team, so it's no surprise that you know the the cap person who's chosen as captain would be would be um, young as well. And um, yeah, then I've got Mo Iser and Troy Parrott up top. I, I I don't know how far Max Waters is away, but I'd probably hazard a guess that you know if he's only been trained back in training this week, which I don't know, um, then then um, perhaps you know he'll just uh, Louis will stick with what 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 worked on um, at the weekend. So yeah, only the I think that's just the one change from me. Oh no, two changes. So Fish and Josh Martin. Yes, uh, I've gone with just the one change, and that is Fish coming in for Laurie Walker. Uh, I've mentioned it previously in a previous episode. I think Louis appreciates Sny Watson adding a bit more structure to that back line. I do really like Josh Martin. I do really want to see Josh Martin playing football on a regular basis, but I think right now uh, we. I think I think Watson provides a bit more of what we need um, but hey listen if Martin starts as I said, not actually going to play he looks like an electric player who can make a real difference down right hand side but I think we've seen enough of Watson like Joe mentioned against Bournemouth and against Bolton on Saturday to which you know he provides us enough going forward and going back to which warrants his starting spot and uh, yeah so Fistio changed for me coming for Laurie Walker so the rest stays the same uh, Ross, what are your what are you thinking uh, for lineup wise Saturday against Sunderland? Yeah, I've gone with the same lineup against Bolton. Uh, no, sorry, pa, um, obviously Laurie Walker. With with the goalkeeping situation, I I do feel Franco um, had a bit of a disaster against Bournemouth. Obviously, circumstances obviously weren't that. Um, I, I, you just have to hold your hands up and sort of say. Uh, I've made mistakes. And Laurie, yes, um, on Saturday as well, I do feel like he was one of the variables why we conceded. Um, I don't like to pinpoint um, players on their bad performances, but I do feel like if Fish is in the net, probably two of them goals wouldn't have happened on Saturday and um, we possibly would be speaking about three points. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just wanted to highlight Troy Parrott. I felt he was outstanding on, at the weekend. Um his link-up yeah. play, especially with Twine and Matt O'Reilly. Um, if Parrott got a goal at the weekend, um, I know he had one off the line, 
he would have been my man of the match because of he would some of the footwork, uh, just the, the shrewd turns, um, trying to beat your man. He, he was having joys against that Bolton side and obviously against uh, Sunderland side, a strong Sunderland side um, with Aidan McGeady and all these. We're going to need Parrot to stand out and uh, step up and hopefully get us three points. Interestingly, as, as well, with Sunderland, they've got a 17-year-old centre-back. So you think someone... But sort of around a similar age in Troy Parrott. And, you know, obviously he's not a small lad. He's got that physical element to him. Maybe that might be just something to watch out for. Although that Callum Doyle, he looks an absolute yeah. quality player. He looks very good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some of the fans definitely raving about him for sure. Because uh, their, their back line's fairly makeshift. They're playing like sentiment to right back at the moment. And the left back's only just joined today, I think. Um, so yeah, their defence is a bit shaky. Obviously, ours is a little bit as well at the moment, so it could be quite a high-scoring game. So I'm assuming, gents, we're going to go for a lot of goals. Um, I've gone two-two personally. Uh, I think both teams. Well, Sunderland fans said to me they'll take a draw this one, and I'll personally take a draw as well with the situation we're currently in. Um, are you thinking the same? What are you thinking, Ross? Exactly the same to all. I just feel this is going to be a very end-to-end game. Obviously, we've seen there's mistakes on our side and obviously we, we've also got the quality going forward. So um, I, I do feel like we're going to score, but I do feel like Sunderland's quality also will um, neutralise us also. So, yeah, I've gone to all also. Joe, is it a hat-trick or 2-2? Two, two, so you're going somewhere else? 2-1 to the Dons. Oh, yeah, I think I think yeah. I don't think I'm not quite confident enough that we'll keep a clean sheet quite yet, especially against the Sunderland side. And uh, Ross Stewart seems to have found his feet and looks dangerous. And you know they've got quality out wide, Embleton and uh, McGeady. So you know, for, but but then at the same time, as as you mentioned, the, the defense is a little bit makeshift. They've got a few players out of position. I think it'll be Flanagan and Doyle, Tom Flanagan. Um, and then, um, you know, but, but out wide, if they've got players that are either not used to playing there, playing out of position, that could be an area we exploit with how we play. So I think we'll have chances, but it's about taking those chances as as is anything. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I think the, the whole club is just feel is, is quite a feel good factor. First home game back, it's going to be absolutely rocking. Well, as far as MK goes, rocking. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, you know, block 11 massive. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I, I, does anyone know how many they've sold as well? They, has Pete given them all 9,000 behind the goal? Or... I, I believe oh. they went on general sale yesterday and I got told by a Sunderland fan it's about 1,800 as of yesterday afternoon. So They went on sale yesterday, right? Nice and all. No, but they only went on sale a, a day ago by all of That's true, yeah, true. Nice and organised. Just like yeah. us. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have been us sending the tickets to them, I presume. So Yeah, uh, it would be nice to get it to a it soon. That would be nice. Not sure what happened with that, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Well, so all positive results from us. Uh, last comment before we go. Uh, please make sure you join our FPL League, our Fantasy Premier League League. Um, obviously, it's our first... So you can beat us all again, Liam. Uh, well, I mean, you said it, not me. So, and unfortunately, someone beat me. So, I, I've sent out the Don shirt to Ed, who's in the league again this year. So, it, that's on its way to Australia, all places. 
Um, so Ed, I'm sure, will let me know once that arrives. But yeah, uh, there's Don's prizes for the top three as always. Um, I think we'll keep it the same as last year. So first place will get a shirt, and then second and third place will get tickets to any game they want to this season. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have to fuck up too much tickets. Platinum tickets. Oh no, no, uh, def- <laughs> definitely not, <laughs> definitely not. No, I think I think if, if I think if I was if I was there, I'd, I'd be getting away tickets to be honest. Um, but no, listen, I think it's really good fun. There's about 100 plus people in it already this year, which is excellent. And hopefully we welcome many more into it this year. And yeah, see you all competing for some Don's theme prizes, which is always good fun. So yeah, if you want to get involved in the FBL League, as mentioned, not to great prizes for the top three. Uh, the link's in the description of the podcast description. So you can click on that or copy and paste that into your browser. Or if you fancy typing in the code yourself in the app, uh, the code is 9BPVDS. Uh, I'll say that again just in case you missed it. 9BPVDS. As I mentioned, it'd be great to have you involved. Lots of Don's fans in competing. You can compete with your mates at the same time. And uh, yeah, have some good fun whilst uh, travelling, watching Don's home in a way. So yeah, pretty jam-packed episode. Uh, really good fun. Hope to see a lot of you on Saturday. And as always, come on, Liam Manning's MK Don's. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.